Hello and welcome to the Landmark Theatre's Q&A podcast. On today's episode, Landmark's president and CEO Ted Mundorf moderates a discussion with actor Carrie Mulligan about her new film, Wildlife. This conversation was recorded at the Landmark in Los Angeles during the film's opening weekend. Wasn't that great? Good evening, thank you for coming tonight. We have a very special person here. My name is Ted Mundorf. I am president and CEO of Landmark Theaters and uh, I'm very privileged tonight to uh, introduce to you someone the LA Times, the performance tonight, the LA Times today called The Career Best. I wanna thank you for coming and welcome Carrie Mulligan. Wow. Hi, everyone. I just first want to say something that um, I want to thank you for coming here. And uh, Carrie has been just a wonderful supporter, participant, um, all of the above, uh, supporting independent film. And your work throughout the years has just been wonderful. And, you know, we saw you in Sundance, we saw you working on this, we saw you in Toronto. It, it's almost a year, <laughs> and it's a lot of work to do this. So I just want to thank you, and, and you know, there's not big money in independent films, so thank you very much. Uh, thank, well, I mean, I want to thank you on behalf of um, everyone with our film, and I know that Paul Dano, if he was here, he's in New York doing Q&As uh, with Zoe Kazan, who uh, co-wrote it, and Jake's doing Q&A, so everyone's doing their bit, but I know they'd want to say a massive thank you to you and to all of you guys for coming. So it's amazing to have such a great crowd. Thank you. So tell us about uh, where you met Paul and how far back you go with uh, Paul and with Zoe. So Zoe and I did a production of The Seagull on Broadway 10 years ago this autumn. And she played Masha and I played Nina and we shared a dressing room about this big um, and uh, and fell in love. And uh, then I met Paul through her and we've all been friends since then. And I met Jake doing a film around that time that I was in for less than 20 seconds. Um, so we've all kind of known each other since then, really. So, so, it, it's, so it was like a bunch of friends getting together and making this film, right? I mean, yeah, yeah. Exactly. Had you read the book um, prior to seeing the script? No. Or did you ever read the book? I did, yeah. I read it after, um, but I hadn't read it, and uh, I hadn't read actually any Richard Ford before. Um, so I read the script, um, and then read it afterwards. So t tell us about. Um, I mean, forget he's a friend, but he's also an actor, meaning Paul. And was that helpful in your role um, working with? Uh, it's a first-time director. Uh, wonderful job. Um, both in the direction, the editing, everything was really, really tight and well done. Did it help that he had the perspective for you? That he had the perspective of um, understanding what you have to go through? Yeah, I think so. I mean, first of all, um, you know, Paul Dano, I think, is one of the most brilliant actors of his generation. So in that sense, it was kind of terrifying having to act in front of him. Um, you know, it's kind of also kind of weirdly awkward acting in front of your mates because you know, 
I don't know, it's just really exposing and you so I'm sort of used to anyway, so that was scary in many, many ways, but it was also brilliant. And there were times that um, I mean, I've worked with lots of brilliant directors who are intuitive and understand actors and, and can direct acting very well. But obviously, Paul, having been an actor, understood a kind of whole other level of it in a way and was brilliant at kind of, particularly with me, pulling me out of problems that I was running into when we were shooting. So, for instance, in the scene where Jerry, where Jake leaves for the fire and we have that enormous fight and end up screaming at each other, we shot that for many, many hours. <laughs> and there were many, many versions of that. And Paul was great at sort of navigating us through it. So, and, and that brings me to a, a, a curiosity. Film is not shot in sequence, and I assume this wasn't. Um, and yet, um, your character develops and changes and, and morphs in, into, and how hard was it going back and forth? It's one thing to be on the stage and you know you build, you build, you build. But how hard was it to go back and forth if you follow the question? Yeah. So we, sh so we shot the exteriors in Montana for four days. And then we went to Oklahoma and we shot everything else. And we shot everything with Jake first and then he left. So we shot... But we shot that pretty much chronologically. So we shot him leaving and then shot him coming home all in that order. Um, but then obviously everything that happens when he's away, we shot once Jake had gone. Um, and I think we... In a way, that sort of by the time we'd gotten to those scenes where it was just me and Joe, we'd all been working together for long enough that we kind of had a really good grasp of the story. So that was, and then within that, that was pretty much in the right order, except for a few kind of exteriors. And the, all of the stuff that happened in uh, Warren Miller's house, we did in the right order. So she was getting progressively more drunk and uh, <laughs> more misguided um, as the days went on that we shot that. We shot that over, I think, two or three night shoots. So we'd come in in the evening and shoot all night. So where'd you pull the drunk uh, scene from? Because I hear you're a, a um, I've heard, I've read, you're a, you're a friendly drunk. <laughs> um, yeah. um, For the one time you were drunk. The I mean, one time uh, I ever drank alcohol, right. I had a great time. Um, yeah, uh, what did I, do you know, there's all, she's also just her strategy is changing every two beats in that scene. So she's not just drinking more. She's also she thinks she's got an idea of what she's doing, and then and then she sort of doesn't. And she's kind of constantly having to come at her try and find a different solution the whole way through the scene. So I think all the things that keep getting in her way are what prevent her from being a happy drunk, um, and also having to constantly be confronted by reality and the reality in the form of seeing her son and then seeing her husband reflected in her son and. Um, you know, she's part of her is just trying to completely dissolve into escapism and float off into a, another sphere where she doesn't have any responsibilities and she doesn't have to deal with her real life. And then she's confronted again by the reality and the reality. So um, it kind of ended up being less to do with alcohol and more to do with like, you know, what, uh, yeah, what, what reality she's living in and, and how much of this kind of idea of freedom that she can really get hold of. Did, um, besides, you know, having to play this, uh, drunk scene that you don't know anything about, and, and then working with your mates. Um, I heard you state one time that you, the, you, before you started the role, you were, you were basically terrified of the, of the character. So besides those two things, what else was challenging? Um, 
Uh, I mean, the, that scene at Warren Miller's house was always the kind of big one that I was nervous about because I thought, like, going off the rails is not very interesting to watch um, unless you kind of have a map of your way through it. Um, but the fact is she doesn't really know what she's doing most of the time. So that, that was the one that I was really kind of anxious about. Um, and then I think there's just the sort of interactions. It was more sort of a general feeling of, you know, the, the stuff with my son and trying to make that feel like a real family and that you didn't, you know, because they are a family unit for such a relatively short amount of time in the film before Jake leaves and before everything kind of combusts that you needed that to feel really secure and real before. Um, so, but I don't think there was a particular moment other than that. The stuff with Jake was just so much fun and I was excited about it. Um, and he's such an incredible actor that he kind of forces you to be better, you know, just by pushing you and doing interesting things. And he never does a single take the same way twice, which is great, um, but kind of keeps you going. Well, and, and how did, the, how did um, they find him? Did Jake Gyllenhaal? Well, um, no, he no, was no, 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 no. kidding. <laughs> um, Ed Oxenwald was one of lots and lots of young guys that they... Um, got tapes for and auditioned and he was one of the last people to audition he sent a tape from Australia and um, and they saw it and they just said it was they just blew you know blew them away and he was amazing and uh, I think the audition scene was the scene in the bar with the Jake at the end where he's asking him about what I've been up to um, and the scene in the diner with me where we're talking about our names and how old I am. Um, and Paul just said that he was so excellent in the spaces between the lines and he realised that Ed was sort of the only person who could do it. Um, I, I thought it was just terrific throughout the whole movie. Um, and now are you prepared to, you know, be a mother for a teenager? No. <laughs> <laughs> um, oh, God. Um, you know, actually really one of the most sort of striking moments when we were shooting it was the scene where he comes home and suddenly we're the children and he's the grown-up and, um, and you know, and he says, you know, what's going to happen? And I don't think Jerry even answers. And Jeanette just says, um, I don't know. And it was really, I, I was so surprised because I hadn't really thought that moment through. And when it came to it, actually having to admit that I, I didn't know and I couldn't make it better and I couldn't tell him it was going to be okay was really heartbreaking. So... No, I mean, it's, it's going to be awful, isn't it? <laughs> I'm terrified. So, so the, the script, I mean, most of the review, and congratulations on your LA Times review, it was terrific today. Um, most of the reviews um, had, had explained that, that um, we're seeing the movie through his eyes. And I saw the movie through everyone's eyes. Is, is that how you saw it? Yeah, I mean, I think we came to it as a sort of family portrait. Um, I think, you know, narratively, and, and in the book it is told through his eyes, and I think that is, you know, I think the decisions they made in terms of the way they shot and edited the film are that you are seeing his experience more than anyone else's. And there were certainly versions where you saw more of Jerry and Jeanette on their own, but it felt like the right thing was to go through Joe's idea um, but yeah, I think it is a family portrait and people have reacted to different characters and people have felt that they are different characters and they've connected to being the son or they felt closer to the parents or either parent. So I think, you know, it's open for interpretation. But it, I think Paul says that when he thought, he, he read this book, he loved it, he felt so connected to the story and he um, 
I spent about a year thinking about it, and when it's when he thought of the final image of the three of them sitting in the portrait studio, that's when he realised that he could potentially make the film. Um, and actually, in the book, uh, the portrait studio is just one line. It just says, Joe got a job at a portrait studio. Oh. So it was Paul and Zoe who made that into part of the fabric of the film. And, 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 and you felt that from the script? From the script, yeah, yeah, yeah. yeah. Wow. So do you think, well, so your character, um, you know, is changing, changing, and, and has changed um, the expected role of, uh, of the mother in, you know, 1950s slash 60. And at the same time, society was changing, especially on the woman's side, of what expectations really weren't. And do you think that's on purpose? Do you think that the time, the time it was set was on purpose? How, does, how, did, how do you interpret that? Yeah, I mean, I think, you know, there, there was a version of this film that we could have done that would have just been set in 2016. Um, and in fact, it was something that was talked about just in terms of financing. It would just been easier <laughs> to make it um, if you'd taken away the period element. But I think there were enough extra constraints on women in the 50s and extra expectations that still linger today but were that much more enforced back then that made the what she had to get out of that much more kind of encompassing and um, so I, I think that was sort of for her story really really important well and in some ways you went back to 1950 and 1960 by just being in Oklahoma and Wyoming so <laughs> what was that like you got you got the, the English woman. You got the Australian invading. What there's got to be something. I know fun they all walk that. into a pub. Um, Practicing the drunk scene. <laughs> um, yeah, I mean it was amazing. It was like stepping back in time. Montana was so beautiful. Just the most incredible place to to shoot, and amazing to start there and come. You know, we were all together there like summer camp, and um, and then yeah, uh, the place that we shot in, you know, Oklahoma was. You know, the, so much of the town really didn't need much set dressing to, you know, that it really did have those period elements, and that was incredible. And obviously, chosen specifically for that reason because of the incredibly small budget. So, sure. um, yeah, that was lovely to step back. But why didn't you just stay in Wyoming? Because you probably could have found the same thing in Wyoming, do you know? In Montana. I mean, uh, Montana, yeah. Money. Money? Money. Okay. <laughs> Cheaper in Oklahoma. Yeah. Okay. Yeah. Good to know. Next I time think. I mean, God, I don't know. We should ask Paul, but I think so. Yeah. Um, we got a few minutes so uh, left, and so we'll take a couple of good questions <laughs> from. For those of you who know the backstory, and I hear the Saturday Night Live did a skit on. Uh, I think we, I just found out a skit on uh, on, on uh, questions for Carrie. So. Um, Yes, go ahead. How did you specifically prepare for the role once you got the script? The question was how did she uh, prepare for the role once, once you got it? Um, I mean, the first thing I did was uh, email Tim Monick, who's my dialect coach, and um, ask him to help me find a voice, um, an accent for her. Um, so, I mean, pretty much before shooting, that was pretty much the only thing I worked really on. I had a sense of what I was going to do. I had a couple of ideas, but I didn't have, um, uh, yeah, I didn't have a huge amount of time um, before we started shooting. But when I, from when I said yes to when we started shooting was only sort of two months. Um, so mainly I focused on the dialect. And then when we got there, 
Uh, and in that time, I just had a lot of conversations with Zoe and Paul, really. And Zoe and Paul had spent four years writing the script, passing it between them. So Paul would do a draft, and then he'd go off and do an acting job, and Zoe would take it on, and then she'd get a gig and swap. And so they worked on it for such a long time. By the time I came on, they had such a clear sense of the story and of who Jeanette was. So a lot of it was just conversations with them. And then when we got into production, just rehearsal. Um, but I realised after having a baby that... Um, you just can't do any work anymore. <laughs> so um, I learned my lines. And um, yeah, it's just a different sort of process now. But uh, it was a lot to do with just really, really extensive conversations with Zoe and Paul and their understanding and the time they'd spent on Jeanette before I came on board. Uh, sir, for that. Oh, thank you. Um, there is the script that you read and thought about the movie, and then you carried on shooting it and then the final product when you watched it. So has she traveled the way how you thought? And are you happy with what she's watched on the screen? Because it usually changes. And it, she's not a very easy character to watch. Did everybody get that? <laughs> um, yeah, I don't know. It's such a long time to think about. It was two years ago. So I can't, you know, my first impression when I read the script was that it was an incredibly interesting, complicated, exciting part that I didn't know how to do. Um, and then I had probably the best experience I've ever had on a film doing it. Um, and, you know, I really think that was a part of it. I think we were all friends who made a film together and I think, you know, and there was a kind of playfulness to it and also a real kind of lovely, passion, like a real warm, fuzzy feeling that of just like, God, we're so lucky we get to do this thing together and make this amazing thing. And all these incredible crew people, of, you know, and production designer and our incredible cinematographer, everyone's come and trusted us to make this thing. And, you know, so it felt so magical doing it. Um, and then the end result is that sort of people like it and I'm so proud of my friends. So it's quite hard to, and I hate watching myself. So <laughs> I've seen it, I saw it in Sundance, I saw it in Cannes. Um, I'm thrilled to watch Bill Camp do anything. Um, so, you know, I get to watch my friends do this amazing work, but I can't objectively be like, my, very, I can't really critique my work or anything. I, I can see where there's room for improvement always when I watch my work. But as a, as a project, I've never been prouder to be in something and more happy with the results because it's, it's a real, genuine, proper passion project. Um, so that's really exciting. Okay, one last question, and just before I go to that, um, I'm gonna ask everyone when the question's over is to let Carrie get out because she has to be in Hollywood like in six more minutes, and we all know how long it takes to get there uh, for, for to do another one of these. So uh, I really appreciate it if you guys would hold back and we can let her, let her get there on time. Yes, sir, in the, in the cheap seats in the back. <laughs> um, what were some of the conversations that you, Paul, and Zoe had about the character? Because one of the things I loved about watching the film is that it was about bringing a lot of the subtext out on screen and a lot of the subtext in between the lines, and you really bring it out beautifully. So, was that based on a lot of conversations that the three of you guys had when shooting the film? Yeah, I, I mean, I think the first thing that I kind of identified when I was reading the script was that idea of time passing and of, of how quickly our lives go by. And 
um, those moments where we remember that that's happening. I think we're all so busy all the time and we all move on so quickly with our lives that sometimes you have that moment, I certainly do, where I'm sort of shocked at not being 22 anymore. Um, and even, in fact, just saying tonight, gosh, it was 10 years ago that Zoe and I worked together and did this play and we were, you know, 23 and doing a play on Broadway together and now here we are 10 years later and we've made this film together. That feeling is sort of shocking and, and I think that's what Jeanette's experiencing, except she's experiencing it in a really negative way. Um, and she's made a contract. So what we talked about a lot was that feeling, was that sort of, sort of nostalgic whiplash of understanding that time has passed and that you can't reclaim the past. Um, so that was a lot of what Zoe and I talked about. Um, and then it, it was really part of a big part of the conversation with Paul was about the fact that she is a really good mother and that it was important that she was a good mother and that you understood that about her um, and that she really has tried to keep everything together for 14 years and she's done a really good job but you're just meeting her in that worst week of her life um, so it was those kind of things and then we talked a lot about what she's doing in that week this sort of identity crisis this attempt to try and reclaim her personality, figure out where all her lost potential has gone, all the versions of herself that she could have been had her life taken a different turn. Um, uh, a lot of it was about just trying to map her way through that week and every costume that she wears is reflective of a different version of who she could have been and that was all in common, you know, a lot of that was about having conversations with Amanda Ford, who was the costume designer. So it was a really collaborative thing once we got into production about what she's actually up to in that week. Um, so it wasn't just with Paul and Zoe, it was with our production team as well, sort of figuring out her story. Well, thank you very much for coming. And remember, tell your friends to come see this movie. Thank you, guys. Thanks for listening to the Landmark Theatre's Q&A podcast. If you want to hear more conversations with filmmakers about the latest independent, foreign, and documentary films opening at Landmark Theatres, be sure to subscribe on your favorite podcast app or visit our podcast website at landmarktheaters.podbean.com. You can also check out our YouTube channel for videos of Q&As and other exclusive content. See you next time.